0: Were jangling the prospect of getting into a world cup was dangling, and Peru on penalties was an absolute mangling. And we are here to dissect that amazing, amazing morning of football in Australia. How incredible it was! Lucas Ronaldo joins me first. How are you going, mate?
1: I'm brilliant, mate. Unbelievable morning, probably the best, the best day for Australian football since the Asian Cup, maybe. It's probably that, that, the Asian Cup, and then that night in Sydney in 2005. It's unbelievable, and I think we're all eating humble pie, and we're glad to be doing it. Tom, are you eating humble pie?
2: Oh, mate. I I think to some extent, but I think I've been relatively fair with my criticism. What what I'll say, though, is... I don't think I felt that good at five in the morning since a session at Revs a while back, mate. <laughs> Dead set, <laughs> awesome.
0: And a <laughs> very special h- guest hugging everyone. It was
2: it was it was Euphoria mate. Euphoria.
0: Oh, where were you just quickly?
2: Um, I was in my dad's bedroom watching it with my dad um, the entire morning. It was beautiful.
0: Right, so by hugging everyone, you've been hugging one person, your dad, but we'll take it. <laughs> I was doing the same thing, and our very special guest uh, here for about 15, 20 minutes or so, Scott Janemason. How are you going, Scott?
3: Good evening, boys. How are we?
0: Mate, it's an well. absolute pleasure to have you on. Where, where did you watch the game?
3: At home. Yeah, just watched it at home. It was... Um, too early to go going venturing out i know there was a thing at uh, fed square and stuff but uh yeah no the the younger me would have been out probably stayed out from last night into into the morning but um how times have changed (laughs) i would have been at revs i would have been at revs probably if i was still in adelaide or (laughs) uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) lucas what about you where did you tune in from
1: um, I, I was at my brother's place um, and then driving home at the crack of dawn in the morning to to come back home for a bit, uh, just driving past people, completely unsuspecting, just yelling at them from out the window. So <laughs> um, yeah, br- brilliant morning and uh, hopefully World Cup, uh, I'll be watching from Doha. Absolutely incredible, just cannot say it enough,
0: so exciting, Jammo. Uh, we'll get to you first because we haven't got you for too long. Where do you think that ranks in terms of our best mo- moments, even as an international team? So-
3: yeah, look, I think um, you know Lucas touched on it there. The, the Asian Cup's obviously a big one, um, but I guess the last time we qualified, uh, uh, in a way, we're, we're getting used to qualifying. But I feel this campaign, we um, we, we we had it dangling there for a second, and, and people kind of understood that. Uh, it's not a given anymore, and especially with uh, the problems our code has and our game has, um, people were, were starting to stress about the, the, the possibility of it not going through um, what would happen. But, um, you know, full credit to, to everyone involved, players, staff, um, you know, to get to the World Cup is no easy feat, and, and Qatar is um, is a massive one.
1: Um, And obviously... Your teammate, Jamie McLaren, scoring the penalty and former teammate, Aaron Moy, as well. Have you spoken to them at all today or
3: any of the other boys in the team? Yeah. Yeah, no, I've spoke to um, to, to Macca uh, Lex... Um, had a few photos, um, uh, a few uh, beer sponsorships. Um, hopefully, getting through because yeah, there's a few beers and stuff. But um, I spoke to them, but I, I didn't touch on it too much because uh, they've got to celebrate, they've got to be in the moment, and um, you know, they're, they're smoking cigars and doing what they should be doing. So, it's good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, how do you see the game? Like, did did well? Did you pre-game, Scott? Did you think that we were going to win?
3: yeah look to be honest with you i thought it'd be tough um the way that the the campaign started was was really positive uh and then it just went for a bit of a a free fall if i'm really honest and and speaking as a um i guess as a fan not not as a as a current player but um i i I didn't um you know uh, i didn't have high hopes you know after the turn of 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 losing against japan and, and and so forth but um I think full credit. You have to give full credit to, to Graham Arnold the way you know he came back um, and made the the players start believing again, which is uh, the key. And I think for for him to do that, you know, he deserves a lot of credit. Um, copped a lot and deservedly so. There, there's there's nothing wrong with criticizing people um, with opinions, um, but at the same time, when, when someone does well, you need to to compliment them. And I, and I feel um, he deserved the criticism, but he also deserves the accolades at this very moment in time.
0: Have you heard much about his coaching style? Obviously, you've got strong connections at clubs he's been at and, um, well, play, players at clubs he's been at and, of course, the Socceroos. So what have you heard about him as a coach and a manager?
3: Yeah, I think he's just trying to create a family feel environment. Um, I don't necessarily think that always works with international football because ultimately um, – It isn't the same team uh, every campaign, every you know call up. Um, But he's 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 been able to create this kind of family feel about the Socceroos, where you know players are are coming into it and they're saying that they feel like it's a a family environment. And I haven't gone too much in depth about tactics or anything like that, but you know, from reading his reports and, and the reading the way his interviews go, I believe maybe he, he, he tries to play off emotion rather than so much more tactics, even though, um you know, he obviously is an astute tactician if he's coaching the Socceroos. But I, I sense there's a lot of uh, motivation, uh, people skills with inside his his coaching uh, methods, and, and it seemed to have worked.
1: I, I was going to... Oh, yeah, Lucas, go. Uh, just a question for Jamo Before the game actually happened and when you were going to come on, I was going to ask about the lack of players that we used early in this competition. When we went on that massive run, of, co- of course, your caps for the Socceroos sort of came in those early stages of qualifying where they were playing largely A-League-based teams. Now we didn't really do that at the start and we were forced to later on when we had injuries and we saw players like Hrustic get a better start um, with the likes of Rogic and, and Moy out. Do you think that having those players out has sort of helped us in a way because it allowed us to give – Chances to guys like Kai Rolls, guys like Aiden Hursich as well.
3: Yeah, I, I think it was a, a force upon kind of um, selection. Uh, I, I'm the same. I would have liked. Um, well, it's hard, but I, in friendlies, I would have liked to see more of you know Denny Genre, uh, Riley McGree. Um, you know, looking more at Macca, You know, playing as, as the number nine. But um, we, we can sit here and we can we can critique it. But at the end of the day, you know, they've qualified. But um I think the the, the the squad depth, you know, has been tested, but I think also a really good thing is now, you know, the under 23s play tomorrow night and you know, they're really starting to push um and, and starting to break down, you know, a few other teams that are that are tough in Asia. So you've got those boys kicking on, you know, hopefully they can kick on for the next <laughs> six months and then there's a massive pool for Rani for to choose from. Um and it's a strong it's a strong squad that they take to Qatar.
0: Tom, I, I'll just put a question to you about pre-game because you had some uh, quite strong views uh, on certain things pre-game. Uh, how how are you feeling before kick-off?
2: Before kick-off, I was a nervous wreck, mate, to be honest. Like Dead set. I've been doing quite a bit of watching of Peru over the past few days. Um, obviously, they lost Yossi Mariotun before kick-off, which was a huge loss for them. He's... A really feminine figure in their um in their midfield, so not having him made a huge difference for us. But like I, I was just hoping for the best. And I'm not gonna lie, when I saw Duke starting up top, my my confidence levels dipped slightly. As much as as much as I can see the justification between well, of of Duke starting, I just felt that that would dictate the way that we were therefore going to approach the game in terms of. Um, not trying to gain superiority in the midfield, maybe play more long balls, which we did. Um, but it was actually quite effective in some circumstances, and we won a lot of second balls as well. So um, credit to Arnold, I guess. Honestly, you, you can't really fault anything that he did. Even like the um, the decision to play Lecky on the left as opposed to a um, a number nine, like he did against UAE, I thought was incredibly effective. And I thought. Lecky had an incredible game, I thought, honestly. Like the stuff that he did went so unnoticed. Like even so when we lost the ball, like if the ball was on one side, he's the non-ball side winger, he's always coming across and into central areas, blocking off the middle of the pitch. And then if the ball gets circulated across, he's dashing across, busting his ass to try and go and cover Advin Cooler on the overlap and Carrillo. And he was supporting Baige so well, thought he had such a good game. Like selections with Moy at the base of midfield like you could talk about anything to do with that game I could go on for hours I could go on about Irvine as well about Bayich like roles all those Herculean performances it was just it was really really cool to see the national team performing together and as a group and playing with such great mentality again
0: Jamo, Tom likes to really unpick games and unpack games in a tactical way. Do you like to do the same thing? Do you watch it with a keen tactical eye or
3: not so much? Um, bits and pieces. Uh, I kind of find it hard um, being being sitting there and watching as a fan and then trying to dissect a game from, a, a I guess, a, a tactical point of view. But the, the most noticeable thing I've seen was obviously the fullbacks uh, quite low and narrow, um, and then the wingers um, you know hugging the touchline and dropping deep, which um, you know, obviously reminds of of, of what, you do it, what we do at Melbourne City quite a bit. Um, it isolates the fullback um, to either get tight to to the winger or you know the uh, the, the midfielder can run in behind there. So um, yeah, I, I, I tend not to, um, but I, I enjoyed uh, watching this morning's one.
2: Go on, Tom. Uh, so, sorry, Jamo. Just on that as well, obviously you're a fullback. Um, what's it? What's the difference between sort of, or, or like how hard is it to adapt if you're playing, say like Bayic is playing as like an overlapping, quite athletic sort of fullback up and down, and then having to adapt to play a more inside narrow role for a game like that and for the UAE game. Is that hard
3: or...? Um, I, I don't necessarily think it's hard. I, I feel there's certain fullbacks that can do it, and there's certain ones that can't. Um, and it's not being uh, critical of any other fullbacks. You know, we had Benny Garucha at, at Melbourne City, um, who's, who's a fantastic fullback, um, but couldn't, uh, I guess, be able to play that um, you know low inside fullback position. And you've seen him how good he was at, at West United. So there's fullbacks that can do it. Um, well, they all can do it, but this is how effective they really are in in terms of that. Um, a lot of fullbacks these days are you know overlapping quick dribblers, whereas you know this position where you are inside uh, low, um, it's more of a passing fullback. So it, it tends to cater to different ones. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, Nate's done it at, at Melbourne City plenty of times, um, and then you know as is. Um, did it a few times in this campaign. I, I know speaking to a few of the boys when they've went away, they've talked about how it, it, it reminds them of um, when they do play that way. It reminds them of the, the city, and, and they've talked. I mean, I know the staff have said it's it's like a Melbourne City kind of for you know formation, the fullback. So it definitely um, you know fits to some people.
2: And sorry, just just before you bump in here, Harper, just quickly as well, um, in terms of because Atkinson got booked quite early on in that game. Um, I thought quite unfairly so given there were a lot of cynical challenges from the Peru players that went completely unpunished, particularly from Tapia who was stopping literally so many counterattacks and not getting booked for it. But what does it do mentality-wise if you're a fullback and you know that there's someone that's really sort of good 1v1 come up against you, what does it do mentality-wise in terms of how you would approach the game from that point forward?
3: Well, usually it doesn't faze me apart from... I'm assuming all three of you are from, well, I know Lucas is from Adelaide, but um, you know, I, I'd be contradicting myself because I got sent off against Adelaide United last year with a yellow card in the first 10 minutes. Most so. of yours
1: are for dissent though, aren't they,
3: Jemma? <laughs> no, not, not, not the last two well, Apart from that one was, yeah, I gave the referee a verbal. But um, I, I, I definitely feel it's not a good thing to be early, um, into booked early because, you know, you walk in that tightrope, um, the opportunity to, to maybe uh, take a risk with, with going to to ground to win a ball um it plays in the back of your mind um but i didn't talk from a personal point of view and and you kind of sense that you know if you are in the yellow then you have to be more cautious but um ultimately you've got to be able to read the game properly so you don't get find yourselves in those you know tricky places
0: and as a whole obviously you know nathaniel Atkinson quite well with your time together at melbourne city um some people thought he struggled against the UAE in that first playoff, but many people thought he was much improved in this playoff against Peru. So his performance as a whole, how do you rate it, Gemma? Yeah,
3: I didn't watch the I didn't watch the um, I didn't watch the, uh, the, the prior game. Um, if I'm really honest, uh, but I felt in this game, you know, I've known Nate for for close to five six years now, and the c- progression he's made. Um, it has been really, you know, really promising, and, and and the fact that he's moved over to Hearts now, uh, playing against people like Ryan Kent at Rangers, who are unbelievable at one v one, I feel has prepared him for for what's to be, you know, the international stage. Um, and I felt, you know, this morning, uh, he did himself really well. You know, he's a he's a great attacker um, and defensively one v one, he's actually quite very good. But um, it's another level, you know, international football. Um, and we only forget he's only played about you know three four times, so. His progression's going well. I think you look at, you know, the the right backs he's competing against, obviously, um, Karacic, you know, Ryan Grant, um, even Josh Risdon maybe poking his head in there now. You know, I feel he's in a good place to to go to the World Cup. Uh, He can play right wing and right back. So I I feel he's, um, you know, he's done quite well when when caught upon
0: uh Jamma, we know we know you've got to go in a sec, uh, but I've I've got to get a little something up to show you. But just while I try to work out how to get that up on the fly, Tom, Lucas, have you got anything else for Gemma?
2: Um, nothing apart from the fact that my dad's just commented on Facebook that Jammo is just an angry man on the pitch. So <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> <whack>. <laughs> brutal from your dad.
0: Easy <laughs> to say to that, Gemma.
3: Um well, no, the fact that he was hugging Tom this morning means he's a real happy guy. So uh, I a happy guy in the bedroom.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now I'm gonna I think this is gonna work. I'm gonna share my screen. I'm, you can't share photos too well here, on stream yet, but I'm gonna share the screen. Hopefully this comes up properly.
1: Should should I um, preface this or
0: No, I'll I'll give a little preface, okay. I think, Lucas, and then you can maybe explain yeah. after I show it to see if it triggers any memories in the mind of Scott Jamison. So um. Uh, this should come up now. Yeah, here we go. So uh, on the right there, the uh, adult man <laughs> is Scott Jamison, back in his Ado- Adelaide United days. And on the left, the small child being dangled from the arm <laughs> of Scott Jamison <laughs> is the kick-cast for Ione, Lucas Ronaldo. Scott, <laughs> do you remember this incident?
3: I can't say I remember this uh, exact incident. <laughs> I – um. <laughs> I think it's at Benalong Park or something like that. Yeah, I think um, it's
1: the one in North Adelaide, I reckon.
3: Uh, okay, yeah, behind um, that, that pub. Yeah, I, I, I remember, obviously, Lucas around a lot um, with Dom, his father working with the club and uh, who's a great man. One second. I've just got someone knocking on my door. But, um, yeah, no, I don't remember <laughs> Benalong like that. But uh, I wouldn't know <laughs> <do> that's unfortunate.
1: <laughs> I don't know why I remembered last-
3: that, that- I, I I've don't got, know why I, I remember I'm that. going to apologize, but I've got to actually go right now. So I will, uh, I've will. i got to cut it short. My neighbors are just leaving the street this this week, actually, so I've got to go. Mm.
0: <laughs> See you, mate. No, Thank right. you. Cheers for James job, James. I appreciate See it. You. That was really good. Cheers. <laughs> well, there you go. Scott Jamison, short but sweet. That was very, very good. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to explain about this, uh, as I said, incident?
1: I believe it was consensual.
0: <laughs> okay that's good is the is no, investigation I'm, I'm, ongoing or is it, no no like, yeah. close? All, all,
1: all, all seriousness jamo was like really really good with me i, I was a, an annoying little seven or eight year old that used to hang around the training <laughs> sessions with with my old man who worked at the club so um in all seriousness jamo in particular and a, a few of the other boys around that time were really really good with me um but yeah just uh, i can't believe we've got 18 minutes in the podcast and we haven't we can swear at this point, can't we?
0: Look, can yeah. I just take a little pause on that just for a sec? Because we've got a substitution on the field. The first okay, official is pulling up his board. And this might rival the substitution of Matt Ryan off Andy <coughs> Merriman. People didn't necessarily expect it. People didn't know what what was going to come of it, if it would be good or bad. But I can guarantee this will be very, very good. Because out is Scott Jamison or off is Scott Jamison. And on comes Sian N. Shah, how you going? <laughs>
4: Very good, very tired. How are you, boys? <laughs> very on? good and Next very one. tired. <laughs> <The> Great. <gray wiggle. laughs>
0: four of us. Um, <laughs> but yeah. continue. I believe you were going to utter a profanity.
1: Well, I'll, I'll. you actually beat me to it. I was about to say that. I can't believe um, we've gone 18 minutes without mentioning the name Andrew fucking Redmayne. What an icon. <laughs> what an icon. <laughs> <laughs> the n has got the grey wiggle there. It's the most iconic also to pull that face in that moment is it's almost like an opposite of Bresciano where you where with Bresciano in 2005 you thought how do you think to pull that face in that moment with in in terms of look that cool Redman, you think how do you think to do that pose and remain like and make it funny in that time it's (laughs) this is right up there this will when uh, that article the other day from that idiot who'd said, Who are the Socceroos? Everyone knows the name of Andrew Redmayne now. Yeah. And he's our backup goalkeeper. Yeah.
0: Well, backup to the backup, even. Um, I, I believe <laughs> yeah. there was a song that I sung about Mark Biragitti, uh a few weeks ago here on the Kickcast, saying, Probably uh, deserved a spot in the Socceroos squad, but Andrew Redmayne's aren't his boy. But now Andrew Redmayne is Australia's boy because he has made us, uh, brought us into a World Cup for Andrew. We love him for it. But Shah, tell us how you viewed the game. Well, well, like your experience of viewing it, I mean. not We won't tactically dissect it just yet. Your experience first.
4: got to say when full time was over and all the celebrations were done, I got up to have a drink and my muscles genuinely were all tense and sore like I'd just done a workout. So I think for about two and a half hours I was just sitting there like, Tense at my screen hunch for just like praying and praying. I was cheering every ball that went out. I was, you know, I I think overall it probably would have been a boring game, but for me, my heart was just going like crazy. And yeah, it was just such an intense experience. And I'm surprised that I managed to not, you know, scream loudly and wake up my girlfriend and wake (laughs) up my cat because that was just unreal.
0: Absolutely unreal. But, um, just before we continue, I just have to. Scott Jamison is he's left now and I doubt he's tuning in. So I just have to ask you guys, put it to you how good was Scott Jamison saying dangle without any.
2: Oh, I any can't
1: <laughs> Long-time <laughs> like, viewers of this podcast will know <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was absolutely all time. Like he, he doesn't. Wait, know was, that was that not prompted? Was that
1: not prompted? No, no. I swear no.
0: to God. Well, I was <laughs> dangling in the intro. Well, I said dangling in the intro, like dangling, mangling, jangling, and then I guess he, he clicked with him. He's like, "Oh, that's a good word." So he, he's what used a Very
1: niche for first-time viewers, but "dangle" is a long-time <laughs> favorite word of this podcast.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the word Ford of the Ford. day, three sixty-five days a year uh, here on the Kickcast. But Tom, a, qu- a question for you. So, I think there was a narrative that the Socceroos have been in a bit of a rut for the last few months, weeks, years, however long, and Peru were a better team, ranked 22nd in the world. Uh, Graham Arnold's lead Socceroos hadn't been anyone above 68th. So it was this perception that, um, well, the narrative was that the Socceroos were a bit crap, to maybe oversimplify it a bit, um, and we weren't going to qualify for the World Cup. Do you think people's perception of Peru uh, being good, which I think people thought they were, coming into this was a bit uh well the perception that that were good was caused by the narrative people wanting the narrative to be that soccer was a crap to make that really longly worded yeah. question make it's some a, sense.
2: it's a good it's a good question and i think this just plays this goes more into detail or it's more a question of the negativity that some have towards the soccerers and the sort of disenfranchisement that exists between some supporters and the team itself. And I think ultimately there's, there's some sort of valid criticisms for Graham Arnold and a lot of the, um, the disenfranchisement stems from Graham Arnold being the coach. But as far as I'm concerned, if, if we played with the, like like you can dissect football games all you want, like tactically, physically, whatever, um, personnel wise but ultimately if you don't have a bit of this like you you can't win games DNA, like Like, dare I say the DNA I I wasn't a fan of that but I I genuinely think like what people enjoy seeing is like the players play with a bit of passion play with a bit of heart Mm. and every single player on that pitch like I'm not, I, I'm concerned about swearing because I'm seeing my year sevens literally pipe up in the Facebook uh, comments here. So, <laughs> but,
1: <laughs> um, but, but seriously. Mitch Duke, like, Mitch Duke did, it's fine. The, yeah.
2: <laughs> the, the fucking ticker on these lads, dead set. Like, you cannot praise them enough. Like, the, the effort from Aaron Moy to play 120 minutes mm. at the face of midfield when he's barely played in months knowing that there's basically no one else in the squad that's capable of playing that role as well like it's it's beyond belief and the fact that he played so well as well like the it was insane and the running from Irvine the whole game to cover for him just tackling and winning everything like you could go into any single player and pick out an individual moment where someone's just had a massive effort shown they have an elite mentality and really, like, tried to grip that game from Peru. And to be honest, like, emotionally for me, like, I wasn't, I was like three years old when Uruguay happened in 2005, right? And that moment is like, at the, at the final whistle, being there with like my dad watching that game, it's like something that I will never forget, ever. Like, honestly, seeing us qualify for the World Cup, like, it's like, it's like a moment, you know, when, People say, like, you, you remember where you were when nine eleven happened. It's like, I remember where I
1: was. <laughs> <Whoa. when> we- <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> you celebrated nine eleven. 11
0: you sick We could joke about this a lot more, but I think we should –
2: Cut it. Continue. I will, I will forever remember where I was in the moment that we qualified for the 2022 World Cup and all, and the first World Cup that I'll be attending as a fan as well. It's just – it was insane, absolutely insane morning.
0: I just want to take the emotion out of this just for a second. Maybe this is overly cynical.
2: I'm going to ask this
0: question to Lucas because he's been asking a lot of questions and he hasn't actually been able to dissect the game much. But, Lucas, for you – um. Look, Tom spoke about the ticker that the boys showed um during this game which was clear for everyone to see very gutsy spirited performance why why were there not performances like that before against Japan for example in Sydney
1: well this team is a lot better than the lineup we had against Japan yeah and also Peru let's face it we poor like, i don't I don't want to say oh yeah Peru were bad and that's why we won I think they didn't handle the pressure well. I think the fact that we've played our home games in Qatar for so long, they weren't used to those conditions. Even though it was an air-conditioned stadium, you could tell they looked really leggy. They were misplacing passes left and right. Um, I think it was just the conditions really suited us. And when the going got tough, the the tough got going. And these players st- stood up as they have so often for us. And put a, um, I'm put going to quote myself because I'm an arrogant, arrogant man. But uh, I did a tweet today about the teams. There's only 11 teams that have qualified for the past five World Cups. And Argentina, Brazil, England, France, Germany, Portugal, Spain, Switzerland, Japan, Korea, and us. That is the reason I looked that up. It was at halftime, and I was thinking on the proviso that we don't get in. That'd be a good thing to bring up to say it's not all that bad. Teams don't qualify for five in a row. Think of the teams that are missing there, Italy, Netherlands, Belgium, so many others. U- USA even have a pretty easy path to to qualification. Um, so the fact we've been there and done that, and now we're in a group where I, I, I'm, even though this is the worst team we've had at a World Cup, I think this is the best chance we've had to get out of a group since 2006. Uh, I should just say
0: something. Uh, we were talking about what would have you think things you would have said if we lost. And I, I had a little gag planned if we did lose because uh, Tom Williams, if we did lose, would have been pulling a bit of a ScoMo because Australia would have been in crisis and he tomorrow he's fleeing to Hawaii
1: to escape it. <laughs> 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 Hawaii but now, look. and then guitar in November. Must be nice, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it is. It is uh, living life.
0: Uh, Saint Kevin's
2: employee uh, <laughs> wages. Uh, <laughs> Just sorry, sorry. While I'm there, I've got. Well, yeah. While I'm there, one of the year sevens wants me to give him a shout out. So, um, Ted Fraser in the in the Facebook chat. Um, yeah, here he is. That looks like St. Kevin's profile pic as well. Uh, um, yeah, Ted Fraser. He's actually the son of Josh who used to play AFL. I'm not sure if you remember him. Um, yeah, Colliewood and Gold yeah. Coast legend, of course. Yeah, the, 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 the legend. Um, so, Ted Fraser, if you're still listening to this, I very highly doubt it, but you're not getting dropped from the A's this week, mate. There's your there's your big thing. He was, he was bloody shit scared he was going to get dropped all week, so... There you go. If
1: you're still listening, there's your award, mate. All right.
0: Uh, uh, as our Teddy, listeners slowly all Tom drop
1: Williams, off. Um, <laughs> if t- Ted, if well, you've got any good Tom Williams stories, hit us up.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, <laughs> apparently, apparently uh, he's playing left of the World Cup. So <laughs> uh, Ted Fraser. Um, <laughs> but, Sha, um, I don't know quite how your mind works. You haven't been on many of these podcasts, but tacti- do you, are you a real tactical analyzer of games?
4: I do in my head, but I cannot articulate it the way Jack George or Tom Williams can. So I can like see something and go, okay, that's what's happening. But if you ask me, I'll probably sound like an idiot, but I'm happy to have a crack. Have a crack? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you want me to tactically analyze the game? Go go on. (laughs) Okay. um, Well, there was a point I was going to touch on, which Lucas already did. And I think our preparation is really what made us win the game, in my opinion. When we first got into Asia, we really, really struggled in the Middle East. We were losing to teams like Jordan. We didn't know how to play pretty much. And the fact that we went with it and we started doing our training in the Middle East and we played all these games and Peru really didn't even train in the Middle East. I think they trained in Spain. (coughs) I think that's what won us the match. But tactically, what I've been noticing over the past two matches, I think I DM'd you earlier, it was Jackson Irvine has been playing slightly a different role. When we don't have possession, he's been slotting in as a centre back, and we've been having like sort of like a fake back five where he's been the left centre back, and Kai Rolls has been the centre back, and Bailey Wright's been the right centre back. And I think that's worked wonders for us because that's allowed us to have freedom to give Moyen Hrustik a chance to kind of make a mistake and try to play like a better ball into someone like Boyle, knowing that we got Jackson Irvine slotting back as a centre-back. So I don't know if I explained that really well. I don't know if anyone else noticed that, but Jackson Irvine, absolutely phenomenal, the way Graham Arnold's sort of changed his position and changed his role over the past two or three matches. And I think if we're going to start winning more games, it's going to be off the back of that because... We've got a good foundation. We're starting to get, you know, the back four, to back five that we're doing, working really well over these two or three matches. And if we can have Aaron Moy getting more fit, if we can have Aiden Rustic getting in, you know, more form, we can start utilising these players without having to rely on them, tracking back and defending as much as we have in the past, which is only going to benefit us if we had a striker that could probably put him away more. Go on,
2: Tom. Yeah, I think it's hundred percent right, and I think it's also worth adding to that that it, we we won this game with like evidently quite a depleted sort of squad. If you look at the players that we've got out, there's a lot of really important players there, and I thought um, Rolls and Bailey Wright stepped up to the plate massively as a partnership during that game, um, particularly in the absence of Sutar and Sainsbury, who are sort of Australia's nominal first choice partnership. And I, I think especially Rolls, honestly, like he was just on a different level that whole game, seriously. Um, so credit to both of them. They, they really stepped up. But like going into the World Cup, we're going to have Rolls, I mean, sorry, um, Sainsbury coming back, Switzer coming back from his ACL, hopefully, um, Rogic coming back and Taggart coming back as well. So there's definitely going to be selection headaches for Graham Arnold because mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'd necessarily want to mess with this midfield dynamic that's going on here because I think this is as balanced or as like good a midfield as we've had in like so long. Like we've often so- like spoken about how difficult it is to get two creative players. Nominally this sort of issue has been Moy and Rogic into the same team. Now it's Moy and Rustic. But wh- we seem to be doing it now with Moy playing as the single pivot. Um, so I really wouldn't want to mess with that. And I feel like if you've got Rogic to bring on as a super sub, like it's a pr- pretty awesome player to have bring off the bench, isn't it?
0: I want to dissect the midfield three that we played in this game a bit more. So uh, Shah kind of covered Jackson Irvine. Lucas, Aaron Moy, he had not played football since January. They were saying it all game and they had done put a lot of – uh, effort into preparing him to come into these three games against Jordan, UAE, and Peru. And he played 120 minutes and then scored a penalty. Tell me about Aaron Moy and his game.
1: It's a behemoth effort from him because he was our probably our best player against UAE. He was, again, brilliant. And like you say, to get through 120 minutes in, even though, once again, the stadium's air conditioned, but everywhere else they would have been in the country in the past two weeks... Would have been sweltering heat and he's not played in six months. It's an unbelievable effort. He's we talk about Aussie DNA and all this stuff, and it became a bit of a joke for a while, and now it's become true, and now all of a sudden Arnie looks like a genius. But he's not a player built on DNA. He's the best, he's one of the best technical footballers we've ever produced in this country. Yeah. That's up there with with a Bresciano with a with Kalina, with a, with whoever you want to put in that category, he's unbelievable. And I'm so glad that he's played under firstly, Ange Postecoglou, poster who used him the right way. And now that he's been brought back into the fold, he's being used in the right way in an almost under a like role mm. for Graham Arnold. And then, just on Jackson Irvine, covered every blade of grass. And when he mm. got cramped in the last minute, that man put everything on the line. I've been so critical of him, to be honest. Um, I, I can't remember how much of that I've said on the podcast and how much I've said to everyone I've spoken to about football, but he was unbelievable and put every ounce of effort in. And well, I'm sure you asked the big ra- roggage question, but good luck getting back in the team, Matt. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Tom. The the final cog in this midfield three, Idrin Hrustic, in this game, yeah. personally, I don't think he played very well uh, at all. I th- I think he was misplacing a lot of passes, when, and that was when he did get on the ball. He was spraying them all over the place. Just didn't didn't really seem as good as he could have been. Uh, and you're a big fan of his. Uh, We're yeah, a massive fan of his during this 120 minutes.
2: I didn't think he was particularly bad. I don't think he was necessarily like a net deficit to the team or anything, but it certainly wasn't one of his better performances. It was still pleasing to see that he was really active out of possession, still trying to win the ball back and work hard. But I feel like he was also sort of trying a bit too hard with things in possession sometimes. Like he's a very technically gifted player and he knows it. Um, But what Hrostic tends to do, because he doesn't have a right foot, he tends to force things a lot um, so there were a couple times when he got caught in tight spaces and he just tried a couple of like flicks and little, um, sort of incisive passes that are just a bit too difficult to pull off. And at times, if he had just played like a more simple pass, then there would have been sort of an easier route to goal. Um, it would have sort of made more sense. Um, but yeah, he played the full 120 minutes as well. So, um, I still thought he, he had a decent game. I don't think he was, he was atrocious but i also think with that opportunity that he had on the edge of the box the cut back i feel like he should have just smashed that near post instead of Mm. like it's it's such a hard finish when you've got the ball coming um this won't translate very well on the camera but when you've got the ball coming from like that direction and you're trying to keep it going in that direction it's like so so hard to do that like you've got to like cut across it like swipe across it like that um so, very tough finish. I felt like if he just, like, hit it hard or, or and low, like, near post, there could have been a better chance of a goal. But he's I a thought technically superb player. Yeah. Genuinely. Genuinely. It looked like it was going in. But, um, yeah.
1: No, I, 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 th- I thought when that missed, I thought that was our chance. We've Yeah. One we're going to look back on.
2: Didn't, didn't you sort of get the sense that, like, as the game went on, like, we were going to lose? Because it was just like you, – you, you're just like – it felt like we were – Having so many chances and not taking them, and yeah. we, we were the better team. I'm not sure if like this has no. been said, but we were dead set. We, like, we outplayed Peru trying to play actual football. Um, mm. and this is a Peru team that finished above Colombia, finished above Chile. Um, and irrespective of the fact that they were missing Yoshima Yotun, very, very important player for them, they're still a really good team with a lot of weapons. I would argue that. To some extent, although it's difficult to quantify, we just did a really good job of quelling those weapons.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it is. is. Continue looking, sir. Um, I thought if we were going to win this game, it was going to have to be scrappy. We were going to have to fight for it, and that they were going to dominate the game. We went there. We played football against them. We outplayed them. We were the better side. And I think that's what makes me even prouder of this team is that, it wasn't a case of getting lucky. It wasn't a case of showing that grit in a way of diving in front of the ball. It was a case of that we could have won at a normal time. Again, I think Shah said it before. If you're a neutral, this game probably wouldn't have been that entertaining. For us, we were shitting ourselves the entire game. So it, it's, it's never more entertaining. Um, but, yeah, I think that's what makes me so proud is that we played football against them. And like you say, they're a, they are a quality team. And we I think Michael Turner put out maybe not his best tweet during the game saying that Peru <laughs> were, were poor. No, this team has beaten some of the best teams in South America. They finished fourth in ridiculously tough South America. And we made them look poor.
0: Yeah, it's, it's tricky to know how to balance how much we made them look poor and how much they made themselves look poor because it's obviously a bit of both, right? But it's, it, and it's it's probably not 50-50. It's not 100-0. But you see all the time in football, the better team doesn't always win. Like that. Mm. Like if the better team always won, Man City would mm. be winning every single trophy ever, yeah. but they don't, right? And Melbourne City too in the A-League. Um, That doesn't happen and – it was just, yeah, so good to see us kind of overcome their shithousery. Like, Jesus, <laughs> Christian Quaver, how – Oh, mate, wow. Absolute house. Yeah. Like, how – I thought, um, like, when you when the ref stopped a game for an injury, it was only for a head knock. Is that – am I misreading yeah, yeah. people? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's what it's so, meant to be now, yeah.
0: Yeah, so what did you have, cramp or something, or fake cramp or whatever it was? Like yeah. – Something where he came on 10 seconds later. Like, he stopped the game for two minutes and then came straight back on.
1: And, how, and then the referee didn't add it. beyond Yeah. And, and speaking of shithousery, how good is – and I'm sure some people would have seen it, some people wouldn't – the clip of Andrew Redmayne chucking Throwing away – the, the bottle. – drink bottle. Oh, my God. That had the notes on there. Brilliant. <laughs> genius. I love that so much. We're, just, we're not good just, enough at that.
2: <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Just Just while we're on that as well, like – It is a piss take and it's funny, but it's also like it just actually goes to show because to my understanding, nobody else in the squad knew that the plan was Redmayne was to get subbed on for Ryan um, if this situation were to occur where the penalty shootout um, would ensue. So the fact that Redmayne in himself was so like, it felt like every single moment of the shootout by Redmayne was orchestrated because like... It was like every penalty... massive that band really of
0: kick three sixty journalists at this game <laughs> against Japan in
2: Sydney.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was not meant to play. Then I don't know what's happened <laughs> there. Uh, continue. <laughs>
2: the, um, it, it, it felt like like every single action that redman did in that shootout was like orchestrated. Like even like the way he placed the ball sort of ahead of the spot to make them like go and grab them and bring it back. Like the throwing the bottle, like all of this seemed like pre-planned and it was just like, it's just like so genius. Like, like, and having such a big goalkeeper in the goal instead of Matt Ryan, who's comparatively quite small to save the penalties, like just, it, it just screams such a well orchestrated situation. And it was incredible to actually see it play out like it did, to be honest.
0: Does Andrew Redmayne make the squad? If like if Arnie didn't have that in his mind, he, oh, he could save a penalty, come on for a shootout. Does he even make the squad? No yeah, way in like, my
5: No.
1: <laughs> it's the best photo of Australian sport for years to come. Um, I, I think he still would. I think it would have been Vukovic that misses out. To be honest, that's. The, mm. I, I thought Redmayne is the third um, for Birgitti? And Yeah, I thought Biraghi as the backup goalkeeper. Now it all makes sense why Redmayne was so high up in es- estimation because when you think about it, yes, that does make sense. You don't probably don't want Matt Ryan as your penalty, um, uh, your goalkeeper for a penalty shootout because he's what five ten five eleven. Yeah, um, and I can't remember him saving too many penalties. I remember him scoring one for the Mariners, um, <laughs> but I can't remember him saving too many. Um, well, I think, but yeah, and we, we've been critical of John Crawley and Graham Arnold, and it's, the praise has got to go to them. To get a bit, like, f-
0: philosophical, I guess we're, we're all guilty of this and just being in the kind of football community bubble where everyone's views just bounce around and, or, like, so many people just have views because they see it on Twitter. Like, we, we see people talking shit about Andrew Redman saying he shouldn't be in the squad and we automatically think the same thing without knowing what the coaches know or thinking what the coaches are thinking. And did did anyone think that Andrew Redman was in the squad because he could save the penalty? Or most people just thought he's Johnny's boy, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um.
0: Anyway, uh, we'll continue on. Uh what shall we talk about now? Uh it shows how well this particular episode is planned. Lucas I've got a question. I've got a
1: question. Um Tom Rogic, do we take him?
2: You take him, but you don't start him, in my opinion. Hmm. He's too good oh, yeah. not to, to be there. Sure, yeah, go on, sure.
4: I feel like Rogic is um, in a similar vein to Tilio, because for a lot of his career, come like the 60th minute mark, Tom Rogic was absolutely cooked. And sometimes it was a bit of a burden on the soccer to have to either persist with a player who's tired and can't chase the ball and then you know, he's opening up space in midfield or sub him off. So I feel like he's in a similar vein to Tilio, where, you know, come the 60 70th minute mark when defenders are tired and the game's starting to open up and there's that extra bit of space, someone like Rogic with his close control and just ability to, like, make something happen or Tilio, I feel like they're the type of people you need as an option off the bench, not necessarily mm. starting because, you know, to be honest, he's a bit hit or miss if he starts.
0: Mm. Well, let's say that the soccerers take six or seven midfielders to the World Cup. It's it's twenty three man squad like usually. Yeah, nothing's changed there. It's twenty three man squad. I think yeah. it's I so it's,
1: think it's going to twenty six. I, I read Oh, it's going today. to twenty six. I, I might okay, be wrong. let Let's say eight midfielders then.
0: If it's twenty six, surely he's in the top eight midfielders in contention. Yeah, he is. The, the yeah. reason I was right. the reason they I was, say
1: was yeah. Yeah, the reason I was saying it is he's pulled out. Of the biggest qualifiers we've had oh, yeah. in over a decade, just for personal reasons. And according to Graham Arnold, we're just going off his word. He's said that he hasn't given him a reason. If that's true, that's not good enough. You go, you should be given the coach mm-hmm. the reason. And I doubt Arnie would. It'd be weird of Arnie to say, "Oh yeah, um, he, he hasn't told me when he has," because then the criticism falls He'd on Rogic.
0: No comment or something, he, he,
1: right? Like, no, yeah. no. I think I think it's what? a. He's told me. I understand it, and we. Oh yeah, well that it. kind of thing. We, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to be revealing what it is, and and then yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: And part of me thinks he could have said that anyway. Um, I, I think it's weird that we haven't tried to see what it is. If that's the case, um, yeah. Part of me, I st- I still would take him. If you're asking me to put uh, six. Or how many did you say?
0: Uh, well, if it's 26 man squad like you're saying it possibly could be, yeah. I'd say it'd probably be eight midfielders.
1: Yeah, I'd yeah. Say, right. So the three that start tonight so Moy, yeah. Irvine, Hustic, uh, Rogic, Jeanro, McGree, um, that's six, I think. Dougal. I'd, I'd, I'd take Metcalf. I, I I would like to take Mac for it. I'll go Dougal and then either Stensness or Jago. I just think you need another defensive midfielder in case something happens to Moy. Um, I guess you got Dougal in there. But, um, yeah, I think you need a bit more variation because you've got McGree yeah. and Rogic as sort of the ones, that, and John Rowe even, as the 8s and 10s.
0: I want to talk about Graham Arnold because before this, everyone was saying Graham Arnold out. He's got to go. Like, he's done, he's not good enough, blah, 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 blah. And if Andrew Redmayne had not saved that penalty and then we miss the next one and Peru score the next one, then we're not in the World Cup and Graham Arnold's out of a job, right? So should and does Andrew Redmayne saving that penalty and us getting through to the World Cup by the skin of our teeth, really – does that change how you view Graham Arnold and his suitability for the job,
4: Sha? Um, regardless of what I think about Graham Arnold's ability, I think it would be, since we made the World Cup, I think it would be a poor move for Football Australia to replace him, considering it's only in November. He's been with the boys for so long and he's built that bond. Just to bring someone in short-term you know, for the World Cup, I feel like that would be a poor Move So, like, when he wasn't sacked in the Saudi Arabia game fallout, I think that kind of sealed the fate for me that if we qualified for the World Cup that he was going to be the man to lead us because, you know, I I think it would be too late to make a change in my personal opinion. So, yeah, I think he's going to stay for the World Cup, but I don't see him staying around after that, if I'm honest. Yeah, I I
0: do think we probably all agree that he will stay for the World Cup and I mean, probably should as well because who are you going to get in the next five months? But Lucas, how well would we have to go in, in the World Cup for Graham Arnold to
1: keep his job and be deserving of keeping his job? I, I don't know because part of me thinks that regardless, we've seen enough to think that he shouldn't be the long-term soccer coach, but it would be ridiculously hard not to renew his contract if he were to make it out of the group, because no one's done that since good Hitting, so I think if if he makes it out of the group, then you know what. If he I, I, part of me thinks from the way he's spoken and he seemed since he had COVID the first time, I've always thought he always seems like he looks a bit sick, like and sounds a bit sick, um, and maybe that it's been a real struggle. He's said a lot how hard this qualification. Um, has been on him having to go to the Olympics as well. The amount of quarantines that that man has done is mm. um, put everything on the line. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't want to continue anyway, um, having got us to the world cup and escaped all the criticism and not gone down as a disastrous coach for the Socceroos, Um, No matter what happens here, we're still going to look at Graham Arnold as all right. He didn't have the best team, but he got us to the world cup. Um, so I think he has to get out of the group. And then he has the option, but to be honest, I think you'll—I think you'll step down.
0: I'll just go in there quickly, Tom, and like the, the toll that it's likely taken on him. I, I think it's pretty clear to see with just that outpouring. You could see just everything kind of spilling out of him immediately post game. Tears, tears coming from his eyes, and in it, like in the post game interview with was it Scott McKinnon at Channel Ten? I think it was him. Mm. Um, he—you could tell that. He put in so much effort and so much heart. And Tom, I think you put a tweet up about it as well. Like many people did. You you may not like Graham Arnold, but you can't deny his passion and his love for coaching this national team and representing the country.
2: Yeah. he, 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 that, that, you, you, you phrased it really well there. Like it was just this sort of you could almost visibly see the weight lift off his shoulders as soon as that final whistle went or as soon as we saved that 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 final penalty it was it was it, it's like he's been under so much pressure and then that moment to see like what he's been working towards for for months and years now come into fruition in that one singular Piece of brilliance by a certain Andrew Redman, the Grey Wiggle. Um, <laughs> it was, it was, it was just really, really touching to see. To be honest, and like, there's no doubting whatsoever the passion and um, the passion that Graham Arnold has for this team. Like, he's just, he, he absolutely bleeds this country, and he 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 loves this country and this team so much. So it was really, really cool to see that work for him at the end of the game and especially given I think he struggled to qualify as a player as well. So the fact that he could do it as a manager was was really good to see too.
0: And just, sorry, Lucas, I know you had your hand up there, but I think um, Tom was talking about how Graham Arnold bleeds for the country and totally agree with that in the metaphorical sense. But um, <laughs> we, um, yeah, uh, so he, it's the first time since 2014 that we've had uh, an Australian manager taking us to a World Cup, which I think could be a, a benefit, right? Because he, like he, he's got personal stakes like, on the line. Bert Van Marwijk, like, did he really give much of a shit about what he was doing there? Like, obviously, nah. you're going to give your all and you're not going to deliberately half-ass it, but there's, there'd be an unconscious thing there, not caring about it as much. But like you said, Tom, Graham Arnold bleeds, Charnens, green and gold.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> absolutely i think it's also um just with, with respect to um the previous discussion about the um, about the sort of world cup and the fate that occurs after it depending on how we go i think there is actually scope for us to do well at this world cup well <laughs> like i i think Mate, can I just say Graham Arnold, 4D chest right here? If, if if he qualified automatically, he would have got put into Japan's group, the group of death with Spain and Germany. He's done this intentionally to get an easier group. That is what he's done. He is ahead of the curve all along. 4D chest, baby.
0: believe <laughs> <laughs> they call it Graham Arnold masterclass.
1: Lucas, your hand
0: was up uh, a moment sorry, ago sorry, there sorry. before I rudely interrupted. What were you
2: going to say, Lucas?
1: Oh, sorry, Tom, were you, were you done?
2: So, so, sorry, just one sec. I think it's time. At some point, we're going to need to roll out all those all those Arnie chants that I had ready for the the Sydney trip that we never got to well, see. I, see we
0: got I, I dangled them previously, and I think I'm going to follow through with the daggle at the end of the show. But uh, we just <laughs> yeah had your hand up
1: a while ago. Um, uh, yeah, so I think um, this is going to be the biggest World Cup in Australia since 2006. Um, like Tom said, I think we have a real chance to go through. I think we're better than Tunisia and I think front, we know about the hangover that teams that have won the World Cup have had in the past sort of decade and a half, Italy in 2010, Spain 2014, Germany in 2018. Um, Denmark are a great side um, and I think will be a tough one, but we did draw, draw with them um, in Russia. So I think... And the other thing is, this the first time ever, and the only time ever that this is a World Cup that's going to be in our time zone. It's going to be in our summer. Um, I spoke about it on the um, uh, the what do you call it, the Twitter live thing that we did on Kick three hundred and sixty this morning. That's the one, whatever the buzzword they call it. Um, uh, that this you, you see yeah, see fans in England. I saw a tweet. Uh, of their weather at the moment saying, look what Qatar's robbed us of. This wouldn't have been the weather that we would have been enjoying World Cups with because for them it's like, oh, no, we're not enjoying a World Cup. A World Cup's all about it being summer. For us, this is a World Cup in our summer. The, front, the Tunisia game is going to be on, a, I think, 9 p.m. on a Saturday night and it's not going ahead with oh, AFL. It's not going ahead with rugby. It's not going ahead with with even cricket. Well, no one really cares about the Big Bash that much anymore. Yeah. Um, probably shouldn't say that, but, um, but uh, well, um, mate,
0: just just to, uh, say something that absolutely no one else knows about. You won the buzzer beaters quiz because of a little cricket fact that you knew about. So have some respect.
1: No, no, but uh, the Big Bash has fallen off a little bit in terms of popularity. Um, uh, I don't think we can deny it, even though I still watch it. Um, but uh, yeah, it is. It is. It is. Um, it is going to be massive and I don't think people realise we're going to have that and then we're going to roll straight back into an A-League season and then a Women's World Cup at the end of it this is going to be one of the biggest years for Australian football and as good as it would have been to qualify automatically this is way better, this feels 10 times better than those boring oh look we beat Iraq 1-0 under Verbeek bacon. Holger Ossic, nah, who cares give me the drama, This, this is undefeated and that's why it feels so good
2: yeah. Tom. Sorry, yeah, Unceived. I've got I've got a few things. Firstly, if I've got any year sevens here, just close your close your ears for one second.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we've dropped um, off we've to zero <laughs> viewers on the Facebook, so unless they're on Twitter, you're safe.
2: <laughs> so, first of all, just I 100 percent agree with everything Lucas said there. But the first thing I want to say is to all the fucking idiots saying that it would be like a good idea for us to fucking not not qualify for the World oh. Cup. Get mm. a fucking dog up, you. Seriously, <laughs> dead set. Well, fuck with dead set. A lot of them. Get a fucking
0: dog up, you. Dead set. Honestly, do, do you this, reckon this those people getting- now are seriously like saying, oh? Fuck this! I wanted, I wanted Arnold. No, nah, that was a defense
1: mechanism. Console. That was that. That was saying yeah. they didn't want it. Exactly. It, it, so it, wasn't, it wasn't genuine. It was
0: just like it's easy to um, hide behind a keyboard and say that kind of shit. But Shard, was your hand up
4: there, or are you just kind of stretching your wrists. I, I don't know if you guys um really follow my Twitter because I post a lot of shit, but I try and build up a lot of hype and positivity before all the is matches, like come on, boys, we got this, keep the faith. And half the replies are saying, boy, I hope we don't qualify because we're going to get absolutely embarrassed, this and that. And when we qualified this morning, the amount of responses and DMs I got saying like, oh, why are you so happy? We're going to be embarrassed at the World Cup, this and that. Mate, the amount of money we get for qualifying for the World Cup is good. I don't care if we get embarrassed. I'm just happy to be there. 'Cause it's an amazing achievement to qualify. And three, it's just like let us have this moment for like yep. five minutes. You know what I mean? Yep. Being a totally. football fan in Australia is always a bit of a depressing time, you know, sometimes because we're we're not the main sport. We're always bashed on by the media, this and that. The soccer roos aren't always the greatest. The A-League's on its knees at times. We've got a moment. Let's just enjoy it. Let's just stop the negativity. Let's just like have a week off the Arnie out bullshit, the I'm going to get embarrassed bullshit, all the NSL versus A League stuff. And let's just, you know, celebrate our boys with this amazing achievement and just look forward to, as Lucas said, the World Cup, the A League, the Women's World Cup, and some great football coming.
2: Here, fucking here. And dead set. If, if someone's just got that, like clip that up and post that all over Twitter because that is 100% true. Um, mm. And it's like, what is even your purpose as a football fan? Like, like, ultimately, we live in a universe where football is such a minuscule thing, irrespective of how much we make of it. And it's like, ultimately, the reason we're drawn to sports like football is for moments of enjoyment. If you cannot enjoy a moment where your team, your country, the country that you live in, the country that you have some sort of connection with, whether it be by your parents like Martin Boyle, whether you're born here, whether you've immigrated to this country, we're all affiliated in some way. If you cannot enjoy the moment of your country qualifying for a World Cup under those circumstances, then why the fuck are you following football?
1: Dead set. Here, here. Um, and the other thing on that, um, the other week I went had the privilege of going to a Liverpool event at the Arca Bar in Adelaide um, when they were in the Champions League final, which was a great experience. I'm not a Liverpool fan. I was covering it for work. But it disgusted me that nowhere in Adelaide was showing this game like to have fans go. I had so many people messaging me saying, where are we going to go, blah, blah. Nowhere was doing it. And it's absolutely disgusting that no one took up the slack. There there was interest. There would have been people there. I've spoken to so many people that would 100% been there, even though it was 3.30 on a Tuesday morning in the freezing cold. There was enough people at Federation Square. That's just, and I bet it got to this morning and there would have been places they went, I wish they did that. I wish we did that. You know why? Because they're ignorant. Because they're ignorant and they don't understand the importance. This is more important than any other any other sport. It do, it doesn't come close. Yep. The World Cup is the pinnacle. There's there's other World Cup. It doesn't matter. So it, I just wanted to touch on that because it really annoyed <laughs> me that yep. that Federation Square had that thing and then Adelaide, which is a fo- more of a football town than any other city in this country. Sorry if anyone disagrees with that, but it's correct. We're a smaller population. get the same amount of crowds, and we had two penalty takers score. Um, but, yeah, that really frustrated <laughs> me. But who cares? They'll all be on board in five months' time. Sorry, just quietly
2: as well. While, while, while we're on that and, like, the whole notion of where, where this is going forward and, and, and with respect to how, how, how the non-footballing people see this and stuff, I, like it, – it, it's like – it was almost like the most perfect situation ever that could happen because, mm-hmm. like – the fact that it like the game continued on like quite late into the morning. So a lot of the non-footballing people or casual fans or whatever would have woken up, seen that it was in extra time. I know a lot of my year sevens at school today said, Oh, like I didn't get up for the game, but I was like watching the penalty shootout at the end. It was like crazy, et cetera. These like non-football fans, right? Um, so they all saw that. Like everyone got to see this penalty shootout. And then everyone got to see us win it at the end with the penalty shootout. And then like you get, like, the the euphoric moments of it being such a close game and then everyone running onto the pitch with one, like, seminal kick at the end of the game missing and Redmayne saving it. And then the meme-worthy moment of Redmayne just standing there and giving it the big in, like making waves worldwide like they like the scope of this to be reported on by multiple forms of media is like so cool so important and something that like we don't typically get with football so i think like someone um touched on before i think it might have been harper um in terms of where where the momentum of this world cup could lead us there is such a big opportunity here with with this uh with the asian cup and with the women's world cup coming up it is it is absolutely huge
0: And just before you go, Sha, I think people can argue all day, all night if they want, about how football is treated by the media fairly, unfairly, or they're bullied or whatever you want to say about it. But, like, I think everyone would have liked to see turning on the TV in the morning, the first story on the radio, on the TV, front page of the newspaper tomorrow probably, Socceroos qualify for the World Cup. And everyone, everyone was pumped up about it. Like, people might not... Necessarily have hmm. known the, the people's names, or they might not have known the correct terminology for, for penalty shootouts and stuff like that. There was some weird stuff going on there, but they knew that soccer was a qualifier for the World Cup. They knew that that was a massive thing because it's the world stage; it's the pinnacle of sport, any sport in the world. And um, the, the people who say, "Oh, I don't want to qualify for World Cup," full of shit. Fuck them. Shah go. <laughs>
4: Can I just say, for all the talk about Graham Arnold subbing on Andrew Redmayne and what a brave and ballsy decision that was, I think we've forgotten another brave and ballsy substitute he made, which you know, would have caught Peru off guard when, as a Baffist boy, I, I love this one, when he brought on Baffist 1000 winner Jamie McLaren. You know, the <laughs> I don't think Peru would have seen that one coming. So, <laughs> the for that one. They didn't Thanks.
1: expect him to drive onto the pitch. But it was insane. Iceuzu <laughs> <laughs> mini But but on brave substitutions, the good one one as well is brave because I think everyone yeah. for a moment would have thought Bakayo Saka. What about him? What yeah. about Marcus Rashford at the Euros? Yeah. Like, this is not proven to be well. And Goodwin has, like, he's scored penalties for Adelaide. Here's our he's missed penalty. a lot, though. Yeah, He's missed a lot. We actually have had a poor record uh, for penalties at the start of the year. So, balls are still um, probably the best penalty in the shootout. Um, come on, Adelaide
2: just 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 while we're on the penalties quickly quickly one second tom i've been
0: i've uh there's a guy that's been in his words held hostage in the waiting room uh for the best part of about three four minutes now so um i'll dangle it no no longer special guest (laughs) panelist on the show neil simons
5: we got five baby. Let's go. We're at the World Cup. Um I'm coming from live <laughs> coming to you live from a called cool Monster University discussion room. Um, <laughs> I booked I booked purposely just to record the NPL show on Clutch Radio. Um I I'm just really happy, boys. Like I know I'm Did I you know just get on pretty- just to put
1: that plug. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, next, next
5: right. time, you'll see you soon <laughs> no, 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 no All jokes aside, all aside. Um, uh, You obviously covered, covered a lot of ground um in terms of what this means and the sort of gravi- gravitational awareness and gravitational pull that World Cups can have for um, Australian casuals and I, I just like to sort of reinforce the point um, I watched the Football Belongs documentary or well, part of it last night Um I think it's really poignant. Anthropostoclu said, uh, "I don't." I think I'm actually going to repeat what he said because it contains explicit, expletives. But he's like, um, "I don't care what's on the front page, this <laughs> and that." I, the next, the next AFL player, you know, in or whatever, doesn't matter. Our stupid. I want us to talk about our game, our moment. Look on the City of Morning Herald, the most popular sports stories about Andrew Bloody Redmayne. Who would have thought that two days ago that <laughs> Andrew Redmayne, the most maligned keeper in the league. um would be, you know, front-page news in Australia, like, um, talking about the game. Like, this is what we have. You know, wh- whether we like it or not, this is... It's all about Andrew Redmayne and his heroics and um, everything else. Uh, you know, Graham Arnold and, you know, as much as we like to criticise him, I think everyone are sort of coming to, the, coming to pieces... Sorry, coming to, coming to uh, the, the fore in terms of uh, his approach and sort of the sacrifice that he's made. And you can... I think we... We began to humanise Graham Arnold today, which I think was a, a bit too long to do. But um, yeah,
0: uh, Tom, I know you've got to dash off next door in a sec, but you had your hand up before. Yeah, but, um,
5: why, is, why is Tom? Why is Tom in like a different room compared to like his overlord setup with like the victory? It's weird. we'll um, explain. Hey, it later. Do you want to I reveal think. it, Tom? Do
0: you <laughs> want to? No, no, I think, <laughs> think we we'll reveal it later. But Tom, you had your hand up, and what were you going to say? And then we can reveal.
2: Oh well, look. I, I just want to ask you boys, did you all think my bill was going to miss?
1: Yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah. Total. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, how I literally yeah. like the top, cause of the time he took and that fucking prick of a ref taking bloody ages to like, like blow his whistle and let them take the kick. And he was sitting there like so scared. I'm like, Oh my God, my going to miss. Oh my God. I was so scared. <laughs>
1: Um, and the and did anyone notice the police were walking behind the goal as he yeah. That, yeah. that shouldn't happen. <laughs> that's a distraction. That's like someone yeah. waving in the crowd.
5: It's, it's wrong. Um, was, we're saying we're was, 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 was saying that's a distraction when Andrew Bain literally threw a bottle of the goalkeeping kickers for yeah, the shit, Australia, Yeah. <laughs>
1: It's sure, right. we, we do it, Neil, obviously. Um, <laughs> but um, but the Bill, honestly, uh, his quotes today of, oh, I owed it to the country um, for letting me know, mate, you don't owe us anything. You, yeah. You're a forever a hero. He was one of the first uh, interviews I ever did when I started. and He's an absolute inspiration. Um, he's got a program where he sends boots back to Africa. He's an absolute hero. Um, and uh, I'm so happy for him that he scored such a decisive penalty.
0: Um. Shah, while Tom – I think Tom's got a to dash off next door. But Shah, uh, have you got any final comments before we wrap up?
4: Final comments on just the game or the penalty shootout or – Anything.
0: Anything we've been talking about for the 69 I minutes just, and 37 seconds.
4: While we've got Tom Williams nice. and Neil Simons here, I just want to um let them know that Bailey Wright had a fucking outstanding <laughs> game and I told you so in the words of the great Johnny Warren – he is a natural leader. He's incredible in the air, and he's a fucking incredible player. So, Kai rolls. Think, I think better, to quote Graham Arnold too. Um, you know,
2: where's where's his apology? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he, he, he had he had an absolutely unbelievable game. Massive credit to him. Seriously, absolutely unbelievable I think game. It's-
0: I think it's just about time for the reveal, Tom. Do you want to? It was planned. Sorry, Harper, Harper, Harper. Lucas, Harper. go.
1: Sorry. Can, can I just put two like two quick questions around everyone? Like, yep. literally, like one word questions. One, how are we going to go in the World Cup? Two, who's going? And three, Neil, are you getting me an accreditation?
5: No. <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not. a FIFA official. Maybe, maybe you have to put a good word to sort of Gianni Infantino or like Tim Kale or something. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they. I'm sure, sure go they media action, application. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: um,
5: uh, I'll, I'll, i guess. I'll start that off. Okay. Um, how we go out in the group stage? We beat Tunisia. Um. Also, second one again. Am I going? No. I'm going to Israel in July. So. No. As up. for the third question, uh, Tom is going. <laughs> Tom is going. Tom is going. So, um, look, I don't, I don't manage all these things. But my only focus at the moment is the uh, Bonnie Rig uh, White Eagles versus Matabi City 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 East in the FFA Cup at the moment, uh, Australia Cup at the moment. Sorry. So my, my attention has been diverted from a uh, potential accreditation. <laughs> uh Shah, do you want to answer the
4: question next? The questions. We are going to win the World Cup. Um <laughs> you can, you can, <laughs> you can cover it.
5: I'll fake <laughs> it
4: for you. I'll fake the documentation, fake you a pass and get you in if
5: you want.
1: I am twelve. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: um, I'm McLovin. Uh, Tom, I think
0: uh, Tom, I think you answer then. As I answer, you will do the reveal. So you answer first.
2: I'm going to say round of 16 exit. Yeah, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then I am going to the World Cup and I will be at every single one of Australia's games and our round of 16 game if we're out of that. And I'm also going to four other games right now as it stands and hopefully a few more, but we'll see.
0: Hopefully a few more. Oh, just, you, the games you, you're going to are yeah, awesome. Could, could, you, should, you, should, you
2: should say what they are just to dangle them. So d- dangle the games right. So I got Portugal versus <laughs> Uruguay, uh, Spain versus Germany, Netherlands <sighs> v Qatar, and I'll be seeing our our, our fellow AFC uh, friends, Saudi Arabia, Ian <laughs> Teckers, hello, uh, versus Mexico.
5: <laughs> <laughs> shout out to, um, to Ian Teckers, man. We need him in the landscape. We need him. We need a bit. We need a bit of we need a bit of, um, of s posting. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's what I saying
0: well, Lucas, did you did you answer where we were going to
5: finish?
1: No, I, I think we're going. I think we're getting out of the group um, and working <laughs> on it. Like, if we're going, to, if I'm going to go,
5: that's it. Yeah, all right, interesting.
1: Working. Live crosses yeah, from I'll... Qatar. Live crosses from Qatar. <laughs> I mean, look, we, we
5: we we had we had Adrian Brett. You know, I must say thank you, to Adrian, as well for putting that piece together um, prior to the Peru game, or of course, the, the game that just went by. And it'd be really good to see a, a large Australian representation there. Uh, Tom, mm. you know, you'll be there, which would be great. And then it'll be the best you it'll be one of the best experiences of your life, like Garla Yaka.
0: Wise words from a great mentor, Tom. Um, but <laughs> – um, for, <laughs> I, I don't think I'm going, um,
5: uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, like I'd love to, but I don't think this 2026 like, is Unless, like 2026 is the one is like, is, is the one well, in my yeah. head that I want to go to. Yeah. yeah I'm a couple of years years sponsors
0: old. for the kickcast. I don't think we, we <laughs> could, uh,
5: <laughs> say that to be, I'm to going, be, to be, but... be really honest with you, it's, it's only the main publications that tend to send, that tend to send journalists there. Um, like your news corps and, and, okay. and SMHs and stuff, and I think it's really good that they send people there in, in the in the press junket because you know if they if they get close to the team, the more the, it's important, and yeah, uh, you know, all power to them. And hopefully, uh, yeah, we'll see. Well, if like McDonald's or
0: Apple or Microsoft want to sponsor the <laughs> to pay Manscaped. for us to go to <laughs> Qatar, <laughs> Manscaped, <laughs> Skillshare, um, I'll, I'll happily take the money and fly to Qatar. But in terms of where we'll finish. Look, I don't – I feel bad being the last one to answer this because I, th- I think we're going to draw with one of France and Denmark. We'll be up and about about that, but we'll also draw with Tunisia and finish third. Oh. Okay. Oh, well, that's a great way to talk Thank you very much for listening. The, to big, reveal. Guys. the big reveal. What about the big reveal? Yeah, we're doing the big reveal, aren't we?
1: Tom's pregnant. <laughs> Hold on, Tom, Tom, Tom. Yet, more like a
0: yet. Is it a moving thing or is it a saying thing? I think it's a moving thing, right?
1: It's a moving. thing. Get up, mate.
5: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the big reveal. Oh what is this?
5: Oh, he's he's, he's gone out. Tom's he's back in. Hey! I knew it. <laughs> oh my god. Worlds oh my god.
1: <laughs>
5: oh my god I've been stifled oh my god oh you've told me this before <laughs> hey. 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 come on boys we're
1: going to Doha kick-off we're exceptions. going to Doha <laughs> I like the
2: power.
5: <laughs> by the way uh, quick plug quick plug um, kick cast on Thursday as well uh, we're getting Jack George yes. David Shalovsky Petra Petrov on the cast pretty excited for that um And yeah, Very myself probably. and Harper are really excited for the next step in the uh, Kick360 podcasting environment. Mm. <laughs> Keep an to ear be and piece. an eye out
0: uh, for the, yeah, just on the Kickcast and all the socials to hear about the future of the Kickcast. But we've been gone for an hour and 16 minutes. Tom and I have a futsal game to go to, so we can't talk about it. Oh, much yes, much you do. End. We do indeed. Uh, Nine twenty. It's better timing than usual, but not great. For um,
2: Brunswick. If uh, any, uh, any, any listeners want to get down to watch the uh, the T. Williams Masterclass, heard, I've been called a prime actor. Fenwalt.
5: <laughs> it, 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 it legend, this is our it, Australia versus Peru tonight. Legend <laughs> let's has it. Whenever whenever, whenever Neil Simon <laughs> shows up to a Futsal-Oz Brunswick game, Tom Williams score, turns into Steven, prime Steven Gerrard and scores two bangers, that's 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 what happened.
0: <laughs> well, just the last thing on the Futsal game, we're playing the team that we played when Neil came and we won the grand final, the bronze cup final. We're playing that same team tonight. We haven't won since last time we played them and Neil came. But hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> the losing streak snaps but guys should I come <laughs> <laughs> come if you want
2: nah Michael socials
0: nah anyway i um, um, I'll, I'll got to thank all you guys for coming on Shah thank you very much Matt
4: thanks for having me Harper been a pleasure boys
0: Neil you've been a late substitution but like Andrew Redmayne you've been a very very good one thank you
5: are you also implying that I am like third choice host?
0: Uh wait, who who's second choice?
5: Come on, he's the third choice goalkeeper of the Socceroos, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like, <laughs> who's, who's, the, who's the, the three
0: people?
2: Me, you, and who? <laughs> I'm at the top oh, yes, on the. <laughs> and the ghosts of Petar Petrov, past, <laughs> present, and future. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
5: no, Michael Turner. Michael Turner's a secondary host, right? I mean, he hosted around the block for like many years, right? Has he ever hosted a kick cast? Yes, he has actually. He actually has once, one podcast.
0: (laughs) Wow, there you go. Well, Tom, uh, thank you very much for coming on, mate. I've got to say, it's taken me an hour and 18 minutes to reveal this, but the echo between you talking in this room and you coming in my ears has been pissing me off. So I'm glad to hear the end (laughs) of you, but thank you very much for coming on
2: anyway. (laughs) No, cheers, Harper. It's always a pleasure, mate.
0: And Lucas, always a pleasure with you. Um, hope uh, there's not much to enjoy in Adelaide, but I hope you enjoyed that game, and I hope you enjoyed the podcast. <laughs> that,
1: that's all right. I hope you enjoy the sound of Tom coming in your ears, as you put it.
0: <laughs> now, the, uh, there's something we've got to play before we go. Thank you very much for tuning in, guys. This is the last you hear of us. But adding to the stream
1: is this video. Um, now, mine is uh, mine is for our new our new Aussie. Uh,
0: Hold on, this is the wrong one. Let me skip forward a bit.
1: <laughs> oh, look at that sexy beast!
0: Uh, is this the one? I reckon this is the one. I do have
1: a confession. Here we go. I have done two. <gasps> oh, give us the other one. <laughs> and, and, and I would like permission for the other one. But oh, yeah. seeing, seeing it's a lot to ask, and it's sort of pre- putting uh, the competition into disrepute. That one was funny. This one's a more serious one. <laughs> but. Uh, like seeing we've got Simon, just, I've decided I'll pull out the guitar. <laughs> and we're, 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 going all, we're, we're going all out. Uh, and I'll have you know, I think I've played guitar in front of about three people in my whole life. But uh, we're, we're going all out. So uh, this, this is uh, a bit, of, bit of Johnny Warren tied into this. I listen back to, listen Johnny. Back to Johnny. He said I told you yes. so. With Rogich and Matt Leckitt. The World Cup, we will go. You know, they tried to stop us, but we're never gonna lose. Where Sheila walks and poofters call us the soccer room. Ale, 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 and so
0: on. Brilliant stuff. Thank you very, very much for tuning in, guys. As I unmute everyone, probably don't need to, but we'll see you on – Neil, we'll see I you on to Thursday say, for another I huge kick Lucas. <laughs> 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 I wanted to sing along. I
1: thought we
0: were going to do a big sing-along. It was going all weird in my ears. People were all out of time, <laughs> unlike us they are out of time and not great musically. But anyway, guys, thanks <laughs> for tuning in. We'll, we'll see you next time.